Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Den Playing by the Rules. Um, as you know, we have Janelle here as always. And Anyone else? Jenna, as and always. Then we also have a guest. And guest, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, I'm Twyla Jane. Okay, so Twyla <laughs> Jane and I crossed paths um, when I moved to Chicago and she was suggested as someone to help me cut my strange haircut with all of its weird colics <laughs> and... <laughs> weird tales that I like to keep on it. And when I met Twyla, we instantly hit it off. Oh, wait, first of all, we're going to do a practice exercise for all of us. Jenna and I preach, 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 preach on here talking about pronouns. Jenna even has her kids asking people's pronouns at the park. Love. Um, Twyla, nice to meet you. My name's Janelle. Would you mind telling me your pronouns? Yeah, my pronouns are she, they. Okay, nice to meet you. My pronouns are she, her. Jenna? She, her as well. Okay, so see, guys, we did it. It's easy, it's painless, and now we can move along with our day. Um, but random so, side note, it is the cutest thing to hear little six-year-olds say their pronouns. Like It's <laughs> everything. And some of them are just like, I don't know. And my kids are like, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, maybe they probably don't know and they shouldn't no. know. Let them let them figure it out. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> okay, so Twyla and I totally hit it off. And this happens to me a lot, but like Twyla and I really hit it off. <laughs> Jenna knows I'm like, and I have a new mm-hmm. best friend. Every time yeah. I come home from any appointment, I'm like, I have a new best friend. But this time, yeah. like it really the happens. The life of an extravert. Uh, <laughs> it's right? a lot. Jenna, yeah. It makes Jenna get anxious that every time I'm like, and now we're going to meet this person. <laughs> um, so we hit it off and we were talking. And so Twyla is a bit of a TikTok sensation. She mm-hmm. has 52, as of last check, 52,000 followers, 1.4 million likes on her videos, and 17,000 Instagram followers. So wow. she, you consider yourself a content creator a stylist, and you are also an educator, which means you are educating other hairstylists. And you come from a hairstylist background and you create, and correct me if any of this is wrong, because this is just me like cyber sleuthing you today, aside from knowing you in real life. You come from a hairstylist background. I assume you have some, some makeup background in there as well, because your makeup is always unbelievable. Thank you. And then you parlayed this into – so did you start on – so I want to talk a lot about um, your content creation, and then I also want to talk about the other topic that you and I love talking about is um, how to be a more authentic version of yourself, how to be less of a people pleaser, how to really own your own being and your own desires and your own authenticity. And so – I know you're your favorite. Can you tell us, did you start on Instagram? Did you start on TikTok? When did this start and when did it like go bananas? 
Um, yeah. So I've been on Instagram for like, I mean, as soon as they let Android users be on Instagram is when I got an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> because my dad made me have an Android when I was younger. I'm an iPhone user now, but um, welcome. Yes. So that's how long uh, I've been on Instagram, just trying to like grow my following, which is so hard on Instagram. Um, So I've been on there for, I would say it's probably like 12 years, maybe. But TikTok, I just got into this um, last year in 2020. It was when I downloaded the app, Uh, made a couple TikToks like over quarantine, no big deal. Made one really stupid one in November. Of me taking my nose ring out and it like went viral. It was what? ridiculous. Yeah. How did I miss and then this one? it's like way back there. I, went, I, like, I thought I did a deep dive, but I missed it's so this stupid. One. It's I tied uh I couldn't get the like little pull. Oh, I saw out. yes. I yes, saw that. so I tied floss around it and pop anyways. It was so stupid. And I was like, oh my God. So I got all these followers off it and all these likes. And I was like, okay, well, like how do I keep this going? So then I decided to just make um, funny hairdresser TikToks and it, they've performed really well. So here I am. I am awesome. obsessed with it. I was watching it today. And um, so I saw one of them had uh, 2 million views. A lot of them have like 90,000 views. Like yeah. that is numbers. For people that don't know much about TikTok, those are numbers that are wild. Mm-hmm. And when you, so, and this is something that, we should also touch on Twyla opened her salon uh, how long before the world shut down? Literally like 63 days. Okay, oh my so gosh. Twyla uh. decided she's going to become a, a business owner 63 days before a pandemic. And so <laughs> when she says like she started creating content in 2020, like she and she, she and I have talked about this. She's sitting around her salon that she's put her life into with uh, – didn't you say the sign for the salon showed up like the day after oh, they closed the salon? Literally. <laughs> literally. Like we've been waiting and yeah. Oh okay. God. So I like, think well, it's – yeah. this is like a, a story I love because sometimes we go out on a limb and do something as ev- – anyone. But we go out on a limb and do something and – it seems like all the odds are stacked against us. And Twilight and I were having a discussion yesterday about luck versus hard work. Mm-hmm. And luck and hard work. When someone says, oh, my gosh, you're so lucky. That is one of my pet peeves. Oh, yes. I know. And that's what mm-hmm. she was saying because I was telling her about – I was telling you about our um, my art therapy and how I was like, I didn't do anything. You know, I just switched my mm-hmm. medication and now I'm happier. And so – we need to focus on the fact that she we when you open a business the world shuts it down and what what was the game you said you sat and played for hours on end animal crossing i would animal sit crossing. in the salon and play animal crossing and just like be so sad that i Aww. opened this beautiful salon and couldn't and it's stunning yeah. the salon is stunning so you decided to pour some of that energy into a silly thing for most people that is TikTok. And now yeah. you have an insane following. Uh, most of your videos are lighthearted and fun and hairdresser <laughs> videos. I love the alter ego ones where you're like yes. the person in the cape and then the regular you. Those are my all-time favorites. And uh, because that's how everyone's brain works. Like there's the dark side and the good side. Like totally. don't do it. No, I'm going to do yeah. it. Don't do it. No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> And so what comes after you hit the sort of success on TikTok that you've hit? And also, will you mention a little bit about 
what the underbelly of TikTok is because I had no idea how ugly TikTok could be also. Yeah, TikTok is like the best and the worst place on the <laughs> internet. Um <laughs> Because it's like so funny, you can learn so much, you can have such a good time, but God forbid you post anything even potentially um, polarizing, people will yes. come for you. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, for the most part, was posting lighthearted stuff. And then when I once I started to get a following, I was like, you know what, I'm going to post a message I really believe in. And one of my first messages was about um, workaholism in my industry is a really big thing. Um, and I think a lot of industries, but I think like that whole like, you know, I'm going to stay late. I'm going to come in early. I'm going to just get paid. I'm going to grind, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's so toxic. Yeah. And it, it's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our mental health. It's, it's just not good. And you let people start to walk all over you when you get to that sign. Like you, you pretend it's about you and yeah. making money, but it's really this people pleasing thing um, to just start to segue into that. And so I kind of was like, where does that come from? Like, mm -hmm. why are you doing that? Why are you like that? Because I know that for me, you know, my workaholism was very much driven by this need to succeed and to appear successful and to you know, get praise from people because I didn't get that growing up in my life. Yes. So like, that's how I was trying to fulfill that need. And I would try to make other people happy and get them in and, and I would, it would seem selfless, but I was miserable. I was unhappy, it, you know, and, and what I learned was the second I stopped doing that and started setting up boundaries for myself personally. And this was kind of like the message I was trying to convey was that I never made less money working less hours because I wasn't yeah. as tired. So I was able yeah. to provide better service and have life work balance and whatever. So I kind of like pose this question to people like, why are you like that? Who made you that way? You know, was it, was favorite. it a parent? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, was it a parent? Was it someone you worked for? Was it, you know, taught to you in school? Like, what was it? And there was like some people that were like, oh my God, you're so right. I never thought about it. Or like, you know, there's all these people that were like really moved by the message. And then there were these other people that were like, go to hell. I'm trying to uh -huh. make more money. Like who are you? You know, you, we don't need therapy. You need therapy. Yes. You know, they just like come free and they just like <laughs> attack your character. And you're like, I wasn't even, Oh my gosh. but you have to kind of like, look at it. Like sometimes when that happens, it's not really, it's not really about me. It's mm -hmm. about them. Yeah. And so I engaged at first and <laughs> it's hard not to, it's hard not to, because people come for you. Like they're mean, like people literally were like, I'd have to like go back. I've tried to block it out, but people were mean. And so I, at first just got really upset about it. And I would kind of fight back with these people. And like on my second video that that happened on, I kind of fought back with these people. And now honestly, like my biggest advice when people reach out to me and they're like, how do you deal with these haters? I'm like, bro, delete it. Mm -hmm. Delete the comment. Don't engage. Yeah. It's not about you. It's, it, you know, they're, they're mad about whatever. They're people that like find pleasure out of mm -hmm. being assholes to people on the internet. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to get a rise out of you. Like there's been times where I kind of playfully joke back with someone and they will <laughs> admit that they're just trying to piss me off. And I'm like, oh so gosh. there's people that do this on purpose. So I was like, just delete the comment. Like if it gets a rise out of you, just delete it because you'll forget it was even posted in a few minutes. But if you instead of just reading there, it over and over, yeah, let it sit there. If you respond to it, you know, and then there's times too where like I'll post something and I'll know that people are going to be pissed and I just log off. I'm like, good. I'm not checking this TikTok until tomorrow. And by mm -hmm. then, now I have a good enough following that my TikTok followers come for these people. So I don't even have to. <laughs> oh, yay! I don't even have to do the work anymore, <laughs> you know? So it's like, they'll be like, don't talk about her like that, you know? So, Aww. Um, yeah, so it's funny, but it took time to get there, you know? Yeah. Do you read okay. all the comments? No. No. I don't. Do you I, read I, any? I don't blame you. 
I did. Um, yeah, like at first I read them all, you know, and now I go in and I just read what the top ones are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll kind of scroll. And if I start to see some negative stuff, like I'll just have to be like, where am I at today with this? Yes. Because I'll have days where like I can read them and they won't bother me. And I'll have days where like I'll spiral for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like I'll right. spiral for yeah. four days if I read these comments. So it just depends. You know, I definitely try to go and give love back to my followers that give love to me oh. and respond to them. Cause I know that that means a lot to people to have yeah. somebody respond to them. So I will, you know, but yeah. if I see something gets like, if I log on the next day and it's got like 25,000 views, I'm like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have to do like a self-assessment before I go into that comment section for sure. Yeah. We should all start doing self. I'm going to start doing self-assessments before I get out of bed every morning and being like, yeah. am, I, am I capable of this day today? I, I think you just need to do like a self-assessment before getting on any social media platform. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, True. do I want to fight with people on Facebook today right. or not? You know? Yeah. Can okay. So can you tell us a little bit, um, which I wasn't privy to. And then there's a couple of Instagram accounts that are dedicated to this that are talking. So I think that we see, oh, so-and-so has 2 million followers. Whatever they're selling is legit. I need to buy whatever they're pushing. They obviously are medical doctors. And so I'm going to buy whatever weight loss supplement they're talking about. I need to buy that rug that they bought from Anthropology, And then my life will be fine and my husband will be handsome and all will be grand and my kids will be sweet. So... <laughs> Nobody specific. Um, So can you talk – you and I had a good chat about this because you keep track of your numbers every month and where they go because bots can come to you without you intentionally buying bots. Every account has some amount of bots. Yeah, I didn't realize that until we started talking. There's Mm -hmm. bots in every account that doesn't make them fake accounts, but – there's predominantly bot-based countries. If you you can break down what who the followers are on Instagram, and it'll show you where all their followers come from. And there's a couple of countries. I think it's Russia and Iran are heavily botted. And so if you notice, forty percent of their followers are from Russia and Iran, and they're an American-based influencer. Check your sources. And so, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about the buying and selling of followers as a commodity? Absolutely. Um, And this is like a really big one. So I am an educator for a major brand. And so one of the things that they keep track of is our metrics um, online. So, you know, they hire in people that are influencers and they get paid like insane amounts of money. They get all this special treatment, whatever. And so some of us, it makes us mad because like we've worked really hard to build an authentic Mm -hmm. following. Um, And it's very clear that some of these people have had a little help. Um, And so like you can go onto someone's account and like a really good example would be, and Instagram is probably the best place because this is where it's happened really bad. And TikTok has kind of worked on not letting people get away with it. There's like a lot of shadow banning that happens and stuff like that. Oh, cool. which like shadow banning is basically just like if it suspects suspicious activity, they won't push your videos. Oh. So on Instagram, this has been like kind of like a off and on again thing, but it's super easy to just like Google online how to buy followers. You can buy mm-hmm. tens of thousands of followers really mm-hmm. easily. You can buy likes on your pictures and on your content. You can pay people to engage for you on your social media so they can actually log into your social media and engage. So what you'll see a lot of actually is like maybe they're real accounts, but their engagement is fake. And so that's what you'll see like in, and and this is, you can really see this. I mean, it'd probably be really easy for you to just pull up and go to like one of the first 15 posts on your feed and look at the comments. And when you see emoji, 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 emoji comments, a lot of times those are bots commenting. So whether or not that account is run by bots, 
it might not be, but it could be, you know, like there might be like, I might go on and post a bunch of emojis, but, um, so, so that's one thing when you are commenting to people like Instagram right now is like noticing this. So if you're just posting, posting emojis in the comments on your friend's stuff, you're not helping their content just like as a side note, because that's something bots are doing. Um, but that's a pretty good read that those comments might not be real. Those, those accounts might not be real, that type of thing. Um, So when you suspect that there's like an account that maybe has like, let's say this account has 25,000 followers, but you go and you actually look at their content and their content's only getting like a hundred likes or comments, that type of thing. Like that's a pretty big red flag that that person probably bought uh, followers, bought likes Mm -hmm. or something like that. Because um, metric wise, like, so I have like 17,000 followers, a poor performing piece of content for me would probably be like 120 likes a good performing one, like on just a photo, because that's different than videos, just a photo would maybe be like four to 500 likes. Um, it just isn't showing picture content a lot, but like my Mm -hmm. reels on Instagram, I barely have any that have less than 10,000 views. So like reels are getting pushed. So these accounts that are buying followers, you'll notice like it's like that engagement piece is low. So their likes, their comments, all of that, that, that is really, really low. And like what we noticed with our brand and some of the influences they brought in is they'd have like a hundred thousand followers, but they get like 60 likes. Mm. And so we're like, that's like your engagement is like less than a half a percent. Right. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that <laughs> out of your hundred thousand followers, maybe 60, like 60 people saw your picture and we're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll double yeah. tap. Like, yeah. come on, you, if you have a hundred thousand followers, like at least 10,000 people should be seeing this. Right. So yeah. like either your content sucks or your followers are fake. <laughs> yeah. And there's no other, honestly, you're not even being mean saying that because there's zero other option. That's it. Like your content there's no sucks third, or you're lying. There's no third, like, yeah. oh, it just didn't quite work out. That's not how the algorithm works. Like it's yeah. either, you either just got on and went like, and then mm-hmm. signed off or your stuff is fake because yeah. there's, the math doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. So it's like that percentage of engagement. And I think like, to me, what I noticed is that some of these influencers are posting reels and my reels with 17,000 followers are outperforming theirs. So that tells me my 17,000 followers, the percentage of them that are real people is a lot higher than your 150,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And this is an underbelly of all social media that I don't think any lay person knows about. I like study it because I'm a weirdo and I like going down rabbit holes like this, but finding the psychology behind like I'm going to purchase the 100,000 followers that are all fake computers is a strange phenomenon that we didn't think about two or three years ago. I This even didn't even enter my mind <coughs> until a couple of years ago. And so yeah. I think that as it, and Instagram is changing even in the last week where they're trying to lean towards we're not a picture site anymore and we're a video site. And so Reels is going to keep improving performance. And so it'll be e- interesting to see what happens with these influencers that are just posting pictures of themselves in cute outfits to a bunch of bots when they don't have the ability to create hilarious content like you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you said I, you, you said you, I mean, you don't have much to compare this to since your salon opened right before the pandemic, but do you feel like having TikTok and this big social media following has helped business? Like do people come in and, Oh, I saw you online and yes. Yeah. And one of the really cool things that TikTok does actually is, um, they push content to your media area. 
So Hmm. there is a good chance that people within a 30 mile square radius to wherever I post from will see that content, Um, which is actually really fun as someone that travels the country to teach, because that means I'll try to post when I'm in other states to see if I can get it to push to their area. Um, Yeah, to try to grow my following. But yeah, for for sure. Um, I post about the salon sometimes and people will be like, I'm coming. (laughs) People come and like, the team will tell me, oh my God, I just got this client because they follow you on TikTok and they thought you were so funny. So they came here. And so yeah, it totally, it totally has helped business. And I think too, like, you know, talking about the type of content that I post, like I try really hard not to be an asshole. Like I see a lot of stylists that post things and they're like dicks about their Mm -hmm. clients. And like, I'm just poking fun. Like I try not to like really do anything too mean. Um, also because like gross. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah so we, have a, we have plenty of mean out there. We don't need mm-hmm. anybody to yeah. jump on the mean. Yeah. So I no. think that, um, you know, people, I don't know, people enjoy it. People come in. So we do. Yeah, that's I didn't awesome. think about that. I didn't realize that TikTok pushed to your area. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So for, from a business owner or business, any business person's standpoint, take advantage of TikTok if that's something that you're not taking advantage of yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. like six months ago, they were saying it wasn't really like a good platform to help you grow your business. And that yeah. changed like really quickly to where they were like, no, actually, you should be. So that is interesting. So with your videos, you do some, po- I don't even not I don't want to say political, <laughs> but social injustice, you kind of touch on some of that as well as yeah. funny and hair content and everything, which do you feel like kind of gets more attention, positive or negative? I definitely think that when I post, I I, I think I have a good following of people. I I have a good LGBTQIA following as well. So um, definitely when I post anything about like gender equality um, Mm -hmm. or like gender neutral pricing or like pronouns or something like that, it always performs. Um, I definitely have people to get mad. There's a lot of transphobia that happens on my post, which is annoying and like not necessary. Right. Um, you know, because it's like, why is it so offensive to say don't charge men less for something? Right. This is one of my favorite things. And so for people that haven't seen Twyla's um, account, one of the big topics that's covered is why are we charging $35 for a men's haircut and 100 for a woman's haircut? And sh- why isn't it just short, medium, long haircut? Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. if you take into account um, the pay disparity between men and women, why are we charging men less when they make so much more? And I think it's just, it's kind of this cool, like, um, black hole that like, if you start pulling in all, it sounds very like trivial to charge X for a haircut for this person and the X for this person. But if you start pulling in all the other societal parts of this, like the gender uh, pay gap, and like, it's a very interesting topic. And I think it's, strange to think that someone would be like, I disagree with this so strongly that I'm going to take the time to type a hate-filled response to it. Like there has literally been people that are like, there is no wage gap. And I'm like, what planet are you living on? It's literally the first, if you type in gender wage gap, it will show you that it's like 71 cents on the dollar. There's no arguing it. And I've had this conversation with friends before even where they're like, there's no wage gap. And I'm like, there's 1000% a scientific based wage gap. There's I'm like, your- don't even get me started. Don't even get me no. started. Oh, I'm getting you started. So this is my favorite. This is how our like, hair appointments go every time we just yell at each other over how <laughs> angry we are about the same stuff. 
So another thing that we love to talk about and one of Twyla's specialty is um, diagnosing people with people-pleasing disorder is what I've decided to start calling it because that's not a real diagnosis. So you can diagnose it without being a doctor. PPD. Um, PPD, but not postpartum depression, the other PPD. Um, Jenna, you can't rebrand postpartum depression. Stop. Stop trying to make it happen. Um, So – Twyla has created this beautiful space where everyone kind of see like you wouldn't know if you walked into her salon that she's the boss owner operator of all of this. She has created this really good workflow where it just feels like everyone's helping everyone and everyone's having fun and everyone's all dressed in black. So I feel like I'm part of the team and yeah. like it's a really good energy and a really good space. And I think that you also take people under your wing and kind of help them find it the most authentic and true version of themselves. And so we were talking yesterday and I am a a recovering people pleaser. And we were talking yesterday about some of the things that people pleasers do. And one of the, when I was reading it today, we were talking about how people pleasers apologize too often and people pleasers pretend to agree with everyone and people pleasers feel responsible for how other people feel. And so we originally asked Twyla to come on because we wanted to hear some ideas on um, how to be our most authentic self because I feel that you are your most authentic self and you are fully who you are in person, online. You're not a fake entity online that you aren't in real life. And so when you see someone like that, there is an authenticity there that there is no woman that can't take a little bit away from, no woman, no man that shouldn't be taking away some authenticity training from you. So mm-hmm. what do you say and what you said to me yesterday, and I wish I could just have like a little parrot that rode around <laughs> on my shoulder that said, why are you like this? And who is like, what did you, what is your little saying? Why are you like this? And who hurt you? <laughs> yeah. Like who, who, who What's told your you trauma? that? Yeah, who, who, told who, you that? who programmed you to believe that? Yeah. Okay. So tell us some of your, um, why, what do you tell someone when they start apologizing too much for starters? So I have like a lot of little isms that I find myself saying over and over to myself. Tell them so all like, to us. Yeah. So like one is, I, I'll just say, don't apologize a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, don't mm-hmm. say sorry. Don't apologize. Yeah. Um, no need to apologize. It's not necessary. That kind of thing. I'll also, they'll apologize for like standing somewhere. And I'm like, don't apologize. <laughs> you're don't a apologize human. for taking up space. Yeah. yeah. Like you're allowed to take up space. You, you don't have to apologize for being yourself. You don't, you know, like things like that. I also notice that sometimes with apologizing, there become there's also a propensity for some people to speak illy of themselves. So to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I, sorry, I'm so dumb. Or like yeah. something like that, and I'll like say things like "Don't talk about my friend like that," um, or like, like you know. Eventually, I'll bring up programming to them. I'll be like, "I Ooh. love tell us programming. I love yeah, your programming. Like, like, your um, TED Talk on programming." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's like this, and I think I laugh because I kind of my new associate. I was like, oh, "I can't wait for you to hit the existential crisis." part of your 20s where you're like all of a sudden you realize yeah like you guys know I know you've been there and you like if for those of you listening I know that a lot of you have I'm sure have been there um where you have that like all of a sudden you're like can I say the f word oh you can say it as much much as you want want. (laughs) where you have that moment where you're like my childhood is kind of fucked up yeah my my parents kind of fucked me up you know like 
and you have that like moment. And so like to watch these like young kids go through this is like really fun for me because I remember going through it and just being like, and then you get to the other side of it where you're like, you know what? It's okay that they fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Like you finally get to that point where you're like, yes. actually, that's okay. They did their best. Right. Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe. I feel like that's hopefully. the mid. That's the second existential crisis when you go yeah. through the first one that they fucked you up, and then you're mad for ten years that they fucked you up, and then when yeah. you're in your like mid thirties, you're like, oh, oh, I'm gonna fuck up everybody else too, like because yeah. I'm a human. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, Me I need too. to go to therapy so I don't fuck Me up too. my staff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like, so I start to kind of like this whole, like, well, you, who programmed you to think that way? Like, where's the programming? Like someone somewhere down the line or something somewhere down the line trained you to be this way. Why? Like, Mm -hmm. where did it come from? You need to start to figure out where this came from. Like there's been, you know, my ones that they, they talk bad about themselves. They say, sorry, every three seconds. I'm like, why are you so sorry for being you? Yeah. Yeah. You're amazing. You don't have to sit them down and be like, I'm obsessed with you. I love you. (laughs) You're amazing. I wouldn't have you on my team if I didn't think you were perfect in every way a person could be perfect. Like I need you to look inside and figure out who programmed you to believe that you are not all these phenomenal things that Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. like, and it doesn't matter that I think you are, you are Mm -hmm. like, yes, I also think you are, but you are these things. So who programmed you to believe otherwise? What happened in your life that programmed you to believe otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when, you know, that's when it all starts to change for you. And I think like, we've all been there where you have that moment of you're like, actually, I'm not so bad. No. (laughs) You know, and I think that's, you know, to get into authenticity, I think the moment that you can like look at yourself and be like, I am who I am. I can't change myself just like I can't change other people. Like, yes, I can change myself, but I innately cannot change 36 years worth of shit. Yeah. So like I can try to be better, but at the end of the day, I will be abrasive. I will be you know, hot headed, I will be, I can try to be better at it, but I, let's be honest, there's some things that we can never fully fix. We can only try to be conscious of it and do better. Like, let's figure it out together because it's okay that you're this and it's okay that you're that. Because if you're always coming from a good place, that you're a good person, you're gonna, you're gonna do things that are going to upset people. Like I have to tell myself all the time, like, yeah, that thing you said was kind of a dick. You should apologize for that thing you said, you know, but like you need to move on Twyla from Mm -hmm. feeling guilty, feeling embarrassed, feeling whatever, because you had a moment where you were overwhelmed and you were this and you were that, like, you can't carry that guilt with you for the rest of this week. I was talking to a girlfriend recently who was talking about um, how, and this is something, and not to call out your people, Jenna, but in the introvert (laughs) subculture, um, I've heard, hey, hey, I've heard a lot of, (laughs) from a lot of introverts lately that they will stay up at night thinking of something that they said awkwardly like a month. <laughs> Jenna's raising her hand if you're listening. But see, I don't. If I oh say gosh, something, I, yeah. I never think of it again. Yeah. And I mean, if my husband says something to me, I'll think about that for 62 days straight. But like, I yeah. have no problem. And I was talking to my art therapist about this and she was like, 
I was like, is this weird that I'm just like this? Like, I will talk about anything with anyone at any time. And she was like, yeah, I'm not going to call you weird, but it's not the norm. She's like, I don't see this in most people that they just have like zero filter and then like zero replay of anything. And I was talking to a girl, like, how do we move away from? So as someone who has experienced replaying things over and over and over again in your head, and this will be very helpful to a lot of people. How do we move away from replaying a silly thing you said over and over and over? I mean, yes, there are some things that warrant an apology. Me screaming at my husband yesterday morning before he went to work so loud, I was scared the neighbor's dogs were going to hear me warrants an apology. But saying something silly to someone at the park or misgendering someone or any of these things, you don't have to go to bed with crippling what is wrong with me feeling. So how did you, how do you find moving away from? saying something stupid to accepting yourself as a flawed human and moving on with your life? I'm like, sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes I'm not. Um, I think it is that whole self-assessment thing and being like, okay, am I a good person? Did I mean to hurt someone? Did I, you know, like, do I have ill intent? Do I whatever? And kind of like going through that and being like, no, I love that person or no, I didn't mean it that way or whatever. And just like, yeah, apologizing when you need to, clarifying when you need to. I feel like nine times out of 10, the other person's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Exactly. But we sit and think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I need to just apologize or if I need to just touch base, like do it so that you can move on. And then just know that like at the end of the day, like realistically, you already said and did what you did and said, Mm -hmm. and you can't control how other people decide to deal with that for the rest of their time, you know, like, so as long as you make your peace between whatever it is, like, that's really all you can do. And, And then you just have to be like, okay, I'm a good person. I don't mean to hurt people. I don't mean to yeah. Try to scoot past it. I and guess. I think that's another part of it too is um, what you were saying earlier when you were describing yourself. It took, I, ba- we're jumping off of purity culture, which we will already have released by the time we come to this. I grew up becoming, in the time of being a child to becoming a woman, so say 10 to 20, I grew up trying to sort of like minimize myself and put myself into a smaller and smaller and smaller box of like feminine appropriate behavior. I am not that person. And only in the last, since for some reason, since my dad died, like whatever trauma Mm -hmm. happened when my dad died, I have been able to fully shed all of that. I am loud. I am going to cuss with my kids. My kids are going to listen to Marilyn Manson. We're going to do what makes our family happy. I'm going to cut off all my hair. And if my some guy says I'd be hotter with long hair, I don't care. I'm going to do everything that makes me and my family feel happy. And that authenticity is a tricky navigation because there's still times like I even had an argument this morning. I'm in an arguing moment with my husband. <laughs> you are. <laughs> we are. I called Jenna this morning and I was like, my life is spiraling. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. But I sat in it and I was like, I think that I'm at a point in my life where like what I thought and I, all I ever wanted to be was a stay-at-home mom that kept my babies home and homeschooled and nursed every – not necessarily, literally nursed everyone until they were seven, but like figuratively breastfed my babies until they were big enough to drive a car. And I <laughs> was sitting in my bathroom floor this morning crying and I was like, I don't know if that's who I am anymore. Like yeah, okay. I am at yeah. a precipice, I think, of – becoming, and I want to talk about how we can become different authentic selves throughout our lives. So let's not Mm -hmm. make ourselves one thing and say like, now I am 
Twyla with um, a super sexy short pixie and a dark lip and one earring. If I want to be Twyla that wears ball gowns and extend, like, (laughs) why do we specifically have such a tough time? Men, I feel like it's appropriate to recreate yourself every five years if you want. Why do we, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, bro, you got a new, like you've had 52 jobs, go, Mm -hmm. woo, good be for, but women, for some reason, cisgender women feel this need to just be this one variation of things throughout their lives. And how do we accept that we can be a new person and reinvent ourselves and still be authentic? Because I feel like I hear in my head like, oh, well, that's not who she said she was. So now who is she? Mm-hmm. Like, have you <laughs> gone through different phases of Twyla? Oh, God, yeah. I, I, Tell us I mean, the phases I, of Twyla and how you've come to accept Twyla changing through the phases. I feel like, so when I was younger, like my dad was very, I will say, like for a single parent to one child that was a daughter, <laughs> my dad did a really good job at not gender norming me. Um, okay. There was never like the, you have to play with dolls, you have to wear dresses, no, you have to just, like, I, I did whatever I wanted. And my dad, but my dad's thing that he always said was, if you choose to look weird, if you choose to listen to weird music and like, just not do what's mainstream, like you're going to have to just try a little bit harder to be liked sometimes. Like you're going to have to be a little bit more respectful than other people. You're going to have to work a little bit harder at school and these types of things so that people take you seriously because they're not going to take you as seriously as somebody else. And I love and I hate it, to be honest, Um, because I think that that also lent me into the workaholism thing later in life. But I loved that my dad just let me be me. And so it wasn't until I started to like get bullied um, that I started to over feminize. So I went through a phase, like especially when I became a hairstylist, you know, being a woman with short hair or I should say a person with short hair, because later on, you know, I had to discover gender identity situations. And like, I went out and people just like it, I don't know why it mattered so much to me when I was younger, but like, you know, people assumed I was a lesbian. They uh, assumed that I was what, I don't know. It was like having short, like I looked like a boy or I, you know, like I would have people just say these things to me and I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to like, and and honestly, this is why I got really good at makeup, which is... (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fucked up okay but like you know so I mean and I would I would wear dresses I would wear push-up bras I would show cleavage I would do all these things to try to be like so hyper feminine Mm -hmm. but really deep down I wasn't like that wasn't who I was that wasn't really how I identified but I felt that I had to because that was what people expected of me and it would make other people more comfortable and Mm -hmm. I envied people that had androgynous looks and didn't care what people thought And I mean, I've always idolized like David Bowie and Prince and Jimi Hendrix. And so I I did this just, I mean, it's, I look back at pictures and I'm like, oh, who was she? I know. Um, Even two years ago, I look back at pictures and I'm like, I was wearing a pink ruffle top like two years ago. Help me. Yeah. And you know, it was crazy because I remember like I would put clothes on and I would stand in my closet and try on every single thing in my closet. And I would, I would quite literally feel as though I was putting a costume on, like go out into the world. And that I was like doing this really performative feminism thing. And it wasn't really who I was. 
And then I remember like, I mean, 2020 really like was the year that I think like really just whatever, but I I think think I started, I was thinking about that too. Like 2020 forced you to sit in your shit in your house and literally figure your shit out. You had to sit in your yuck. Yeah. And, um, and I think there was like, just always this part of me that was like, well, I, I very much relate to closeted people because I was very closeted. Like I just was, you know? And then I always would talk about reinventing myself. Like every couple of years, I would literally wipe out my whole closet, refresh it, um, get rid of all my makeup, get new makeup, get rid of all my jewelry, get new jewelry. And I'm always kind of like going through this like redefining process because I find it exciting. I love change. I love to change how I look, how I present those types of things. And I feel like now, like I have never had so much fun shopping. My closet is so Mm -hmm. eclectic. I don't feel weird anymore dressing one day in tie-dye, the next day in a dress, Mm -hmm. the next day in, you know, like a sports bra with my shirt halfway unbuttoned and oversized pants. Like I don't feel weird not having this like really appropriate, like every day my outfit is the same type of style. Like it just, I I can for the first time get, get woken up, walk into my closet maybe try on two different outfits and and leave the house in one of them instead of trying on every single thing, trying Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable, you know? Um, It's interesting though, like when I travel, I find myself like, okay, I have to bring myself some femme (laughs) outfits and some like not so femme outfits. And I'm like, what am I going to wake up wanting to wear? So Mm -hmm. I have to pack a lot of things um, (laughs) because I don't know how I'm going to wake up, but yeah, but at least now I like can kind of identify why that was happening in a way that I didn't before. So I would say now, like I just, I love shopping because I buy what I like. I wear what Mm -hmm. I want. I don't, I wear crop tops. I don't give a shit. Like your outfit was so cute yesterday. You were wearing like a half crop top with like the cutest little, like, I can't even, I'm going to, I was thinking about it while I was like outside reading today. I was like, God damn, Twyla looked cute yesterday. I didn't even tell her. She looked cute. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's always been, like, I've looked at people and I've been like, oh, they just have this swag and this like essence about them. And I want that, you know? And I feel yeah. like, I feel like now that I do whatever I want, I feel like I feel that from myself now where I'm just like, yeah, I feel hot all the time, you know, like, isn't it the best? Oh, good. Yeah. I say the same thing. And I know that I like harp uh, constantly because, but one of your, one of my favorite videos of yours and one of yours that has a lot of views is the one about, uh, I would love to have short hair, but my husband mm-hmm. doesn't want me to have short oh. hair. Oh, I know. I'm so mad about that one. I know. What? I was. That was one of your really polarizing ones, even though it was just like – and so the video, if you haven't seen it, and we're going to link all Twyla's stuff, is just saying like, are they so sh- – I would love to have short hair, but my husband won't let me have short hair. He doesn't want me to have short hair. And it was like, are they still are allowed men, to t- – Are men still allowed I thought we had a treaty or something. Yeah, like, yeah, no. Right? And so tell us what the polarizing part of that was. But I also have never felt sexier than with short hair, even though I have talked about this on the podcast where I've heard people say behind me, like, oh, she'd be a 10 if she had longer hair. And like, oh my gosh, nobody's here to perform for you guy in the grocery store. Like, 100%. could not care less go home to Linda and like have a pot pie. I'm not interested. Literally. I had a client that was like, I wonder what you would look like with short with long hair and I said I look like every other girl (laughs) I look like everyone else um I look like me with short hair um yeah no so it was it was really interesting the comments on that I knew that people were gonna get mad 
Um, but like, <laughs> but a you lot did of, it anyways. And I, I didn't love give it. a shit. I was like, I want to make people <laughs> mad, actually. Because um, actually, one of my employees, Dane, and I, it's something that we talk about a lot. Um, and I remember her saying one time, it, and it was the funniest thing when she said it. And she was like, imagine defining your sexuality by women having long hair. Like, imagine that being your sexuality. And I was like, literally, though, like, li- yeah, like literally your sexuality is long hair. Gross. Like, Kevin. But I think sometimes sexuality. it is thought that way. That yeah, like, totally. and I, I know I don't wear my... I don't wear my wedding ring. I know that like what the way I present myself is not like this like stay at home married mom of two. And so I don't see how we've made such a and Jenna has a son that has had long hair. And I don't know why we are associating hair with gender still. It's mm-hmm. 2021. We're in a fucking plague. Like, Literally. why are we talking about people's hair length? And why are we yeah. taking the time to be a troll on the internet about somebody's video about hair length? Yeah. Yep. One of the interesting, uh, one of the interesting comments, it does make me think, but I'm also like, for those of you that couldn't see my face, I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting um takes on that, like hot takes on it would be like the people feeling like, well, there's nothing wrong with wanting your partner to find you attractive. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I guess. And then like my counter argument is like, okay, so my, my husband needs me to have long hair. He doesn't, but like, he needs me to have long hair. What happens when I get cancer and it falls out? So now I'm not attractive because he needs me to have long hair. That's what he thinks is attractive. Like what? That's kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like it really is the same to me. It's the same as like, oh, I need to be skinny. Well, what happens when you have a baby, sweetheart? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's not I I, I just. But that's a real thing. And I hear it in marriages is like and we talk about it a lot. We talked about it a ton in the purity culture episode is like if your husband strays in purity culture, it's because you haven't kept yourself up enough to keep him interested. Like, Mm -hmm. how is it the woman's? responsibility or any partner in any marriages, it is no single partner's responsibility to keep the other partner interested in them. It is the other partner's job to keep their genitals away from other people if you're in a committed monogamous relationship. It is not a pressure put upon you to keep someone interested. It is that person's job to dig into the work of what what happened to them that is making them make poor choices. I just feel yeah. like, like for me, like, yeah, of course I want my husband to think I'm hot. Like, but yeah. like, I want him to think I'm hot because I think I'm hot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what's more hot than confidence? Like that's the part I, I uh, just personally cannot understand or relate to mm-hmm. is like, if you feel sexy, you're sexy. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. Like, I just don't, I would not feel pretty with long hair, period. End of sentence. I don't. I never have. Like, Even when I look at pictures of myself with long hair, I'm like, nope. I remember thinking that was a bad hair day. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Yeah. And like, and that's another. And like, my husband, who we've talked about, is overweight, and he'll say to me all the time, like, I wake up every morning and look in the mirror, and I'm like, damn. Like, <laughs> let's aspire to the. And that is a sexy confidence level to me. Totally. You can be confident enough yeah. to wake up and go, damn, that is who I want to be with. Yeah. And I will say like, I'm not at my fittest and I've mentally become okay with that because I feel good. And I found myself like it's summer right now. So I put on a shirt right now, but I have a swimsuit on and I'll just walk around in the swimsuit. And my in-laws live down the street and I'll ride, Janelle knows I'll ride in the car in a swimsuit, park in front of their house, get out, wave to neighbors in my swimsuit. And my husband told me the other day, like your confidence is so fucking sexy. 
Like he's like, I don't care that you're out here in a swimsuit and Crocs. I want the neighbors to see you. And like, (laughs) I mean, I wear like rainbow tie dye Crocs too. And he's just like, that confidence is something that I've personally really worked on, especially since having kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think my mom had a lot of confidence and it was beautiful. And he's like, your confidence has skyrocketed and you own it. And he was like, it's sexy. And I was like, hey. yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should, you should want to be around people that love your confidence and confidence only comes from like literally just being authentic and being mm-hmm. like who I it is and that. what it is you are not even what you want to be, be what you are, because probably mm-hmm. what you want to be is what you are. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's, I mean, I look back and I'm like, everything I ever wanted to be was what I always was. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I just was like, well, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much better and so much easier than pretending to be what you're not. And I think, I hope that we have a 20 year old listening to this, hearing like, oh my God, like let's all take a minute and sink into ourselves and try to imagine the truest version of ourselves. Guess what? Your hair always grows back. Guess what? You can always get a tattoo removed. Guess what? You can like do try a bunch of shit and see what really hits in your heart. And stick with that. And then when it doesn't work anymore, get rid of it. Like, let's mm-hmm. stop committing our lives to these weird, archaic stereotypes. And mm-hmm. I, I, the whole system of this is very bizarre to me that we're still practicing these rituals of like, I need to give myself a full blowout every day and then I need to this. And I've talked openly on here about um, my plastic surgery. I do, I do. Botox, I do filler, I do a lot of these things. They're for me. My husband's always like, Your face is perfect. Why are you doing that? Like, I do it for me. And if Mm -hmm. I decide to get breast implants or any other things done, that is for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. he'll probably like it, but like, even if he doesn't, I don't like, I want to look sexy for my husband, but I also am going to be the sexiest for my husband when I am the most true self of that I can be. Yeah. So I have a question for you. You said your dad was super supportive. Did you have pushback on how you dressed or when you cut your hair short or anything from people that you loved, such as family and friends? And how did you deal with that? Because personally, like now that Janelle and I are a little more out there, people feel it is their right and privilege to criticize us. If it's someone that I don't know, okay, fuck you. I'll move on. But when it's somebody that I love, I have a hard time taking that criticism. So how do you kind of handle that? Oh, that's good. Like Jenna said, this podcast, we kind of just started thinking it would be like a silly foo-foo thing and we'd do a few episodes and no one would listen. And now that it is performing more, we are getting some of our earliest like negative responses. And so I think what, and Jenna, correct me if I'm wrong, what Jenna's trying to ask is how do you differentiate stranger critiques and loved one critiques of your authentic self. Is that sound right, Jenna? Yeah, kind of. Like, I don't mind giving a little pushback or just being like, whatever, forget you kind of thing to strangers. But when it's to somebody that I love and trust, I do want to protect that relationship, but also know like, hey, it's not okay for you to critique me. Tell me how to be. Yeah. Especially not having parents for so long. I'm like, I haven't had anyone tell me what to do. So when anyone comes in, I'm like, oh, gates up. Even (laughs) Josh, I say that too. I'm like, oh, my dad's dead. So there's no one to tell me what to do anymore. So I'm going to need you to back up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think like specifically of like 
like situations where this has happened to me. It's, it's hard because I think that I like in fairness have worked really hard not to have anyone in my life that would police okay, me. Okay. So that, that is right there is a solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like hard because I don't really get a lot of feedback about things like that. Um, and if I do, I would just imagine that I kind of like brush it off and don't really yeah. honestly care too much um, or take it too personally because I, I just look at it like this is who I am and this is mm-hmm. how I am. Um, I have like people that are mentors or coaches that have said things to me like, mm, well, it's a like you're a lot sometimes or I'll hear things like, oh. you know, like I definitely was like told I'm not, I don't appeal to the Midwest hairdresser I was told one time, which I thought was weird because I am a Midwestern hairdresser. Um, And I just kind of was like, well, that's your opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I think I just like, I think that I've always had a pretty high level of confidence, although there has been time periods where I've put myself in a box because it was more of like a me thing um, necessarily than anyone even saying. Like, yeah, people kind of being like, oh, well, are you this, are you that? And me not wanting to be perceived that way. But like now I just don't really, I guess like I don't have a good answer for you because I don't really have people in my life that do that. That's great. But that's a good answer in and of itself is like, Mm -hmm. why are we wasting our time? Yeah, I cut cut my... I kind of like cut my family out for a while, like big family events, because I felt that I was being judged a lot for things. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't fucking need this. Like, I'm too old for this. Like I, you know, like I was still sitting at the kids table and getting like backhanded compliments or backhanded, not compliments, but like kind of just comments about like, oh, you're sitting at the kids table. And I was like, you know what? Like at the time I was like, I'm 30 years old. I'm married. I'm successful. Like, I don't need to be sitting at it. Like, you don't need to make a joke about this. So I just stopped going because I was like, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I, where I don't feel liked. Like Mm -hmm. I don't need to be around people that don't like me, you know? So I'm likable. Yeah, definitely. So if you don't like me, that's a you thing. I love. So I'm just not coming around, you know. So and I didn't, and I just recently have started coming to family stuff again, and I am perceived in a very different way now. And I love that you said that because that's been a hard thing for me to learn. If you don't like me, that's a you thing. Mm -hmm. Because so many times I'm like, what did I do? What can I do? And that is such a beautiful realization once you fully grasp it. Like it's an issue with that person, not yourself. And I love that that you said, I think I'm going to get I'm likable tattooed all the way up my arm and neck (laughs) and on my forehead. Because like, what if we met all criticism with, and I do a workout where they talk a lot about like, you can't control your first reaction, Mm -hmm. but you can control your second reaction. So what if we all started practicing our first reaction is, oh, what's wrong with me? And our second response is always, I'm likable. So what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like I that's like fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah. It's when I, when I, it makes me think of like when I hire people, that's really what I look for. I look for people that are likable. Mm. Yeah. Because I think, I think everyone is likable if they're authentic. And that's really oh, what it comes I down love to. That. It's, it's that fakeness. That's not likable to me. I, I, I pinpoint that fakeness in people pretty quickly and I don't want to be around it. I choose not mm-hmm. to, but if you're like, if you're a good person and you're trying to be your true self, you're likable, period. Not yeah. everyone's going to like you. That's not what I'm saying, but like you're likable. Like, right. Oh, I love I that, that definition too. Not everyone's going to like you, but you are likable. So like mm-hmm. let's leave behind the people that yeah. aren't on the same wavelength. And like, well, it, yeah. like just to say, if I don't like somebody, 
I'm not going to spend time with them. I don't have to like everybody either. No. And that doesn't even mean they're not likable. They're probably likable to a lot of other people, just not us. And that doesn't make them, yeah, that doesn't make them shitty people. It just makes them not likable in your, what you're looking for. It's not my Mm -hmm. people. No. And that's a good point that like, I don't know, I don't know when you shared the one about vibing on the same level. Jenna loves talking about vibing Uh now. I do. I can't get her off it. I do. And (laughs) I find that the people who are very authentic, I really vibe with them. And then there's other people who I feel like try and come in, but they're not authentic. And I slightly let them in. And then it's just like clash, clash, issue, issue, issue. And you just don't feel that connection. I'm getting better at putting up those boundaries of being like, not everyone has to come in my little circle and I don't have to vibe with everyone. But those people I vibe with, that's who I'm going to surround myself with. You are getting really good at it. And I think that is something that comes with. It's really hard, but it's something that comes with. I'm sorry, 20-year-olds, but it's something that comes with the trials and tribulations of being mid-30s. Like you've seen the shit, you've done the shit, you've dated the shit, and you... (laughs) Even early 30-year-olds. Yeah. Like those adult friendships. Oh, yes. And ugly. And it's okay to like spend a little bit of time with somebody and think that they're your people and discover otherwise. Like that's mm-hmm. going to happen too. Like people, there's going to be people that trick you. Yeah. And yeah. and same, you might also trick them because they're, you know, like, and you don't mean yeah. to or whatever. And they might decide that you're not their people and vice versa. And like, that's mm-hmm. okay. I yeah. think that's a really good point too. And that being okay is why don't we treat the people we surround ourselves with like dating? So like, why do we have to hang out with someone or hire someone and then like sink with the ship? Like, let's treat it like dating. Like, oh, we had a good first date. Our second date got kind of awkward. And by the third date, I just wasn't into it. Like, yeah. why don't we do that with friendships and coworkers and all of it? Yeah. yeah. I feel like one of my other mantras is like, you don't owe anyone anything. Like mm-hmm. you don't. I want to. You owe yourself. <laughs> you owe yourself a lot. You don't owe anyone else anything. Oh, that's so hard. How do you don't do be it? friends? Don't be friends with people that make you feel like you owe them something. Like, I know. Amen. Don't like, owe people anything. Mm-hmm. That's they, my worst and, and that's one, like, as a hairdresser, too, that's, like, pretty big for me because it's, like, once the transaction between you and a client is done, once they paid you for your services and services have been rendered, you do not owe them a next appointment and they do not owe you a next appointment. Like, yeah. that transaction was done. Mm-hmm. Nothing is owed. Like, yeah, if you want to come see me again and I like you and I want to see you again, you want to have another appointment, like, let's do the thing. But yeah. like, you don't owe people anything. Yeah. So with, I have it one more question, kind of back to like the TikTok and everything. I know some people have commented like, oh, you should just stick to the funny skits. Does that get you riled up to do more towards social justice or do you <laughs> feel the pressure to kind of perform? No. I'm like, I want to make even more offensive. I like that's it. how I feel too. Jenna, a couple of days last week, was not doing the Instagram, and I was posting stuff, and I was like, Jenna, I'm doing such naughty stuff on the Instagram today because I, I just it. wanted to like stir up trouble, Ooh, and yeah. I, I feel like once it you find that like once you find like the nerve of someone, it's kind of fun to keep poking it. Yeah. And okay, so to like add on that, yeah, like it is fun, but it's also really that's what that is what is going to help you find your people too. Yeah. Um and one thing, you know, so it's funny because I got this coaching recently like, well, some of your content's a little polarizing, like some salons don't want you to come teach there, blah blah blah. And I was like, because I say black lives matter. Yeah. Because okay, I talk about gender equality, because I talk about trans rights. I don't want 
to teach there if they don't like, you know no. what I mean? Like those aren't exactly. my people. Like, no. okay, so I'm cornering in on what's my people and what's not my people. And you're going to tell yeah. me that's a bad thing. Like that's not a bad thing. Right, and no. so like, but people will make you think it is, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not like to me when I go on social media and I'm following these people that I like, and they don't ever say anything about anything that matters. What do you stand for? Like, I want to know that in a room where somebody's being mean to me because I'm X, Y, Z, that you're going to be on my side, not that you're Mm going to stand in the back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want the people, I want the people that I love and I care and I'm an ally for to know that I would have their back. Mm -hmm, So like, I don't, I don't care that you find that polarizing. Yeah. And to kind of like tag onto that, like, you know, that it, it, it does kind of bring in this following of people. And so like for your podcast, like it's going to bring in the people that you want listening anyways, and that you want here anyways. And like for my social media, like I want the people that again, vibrate on that same wavelength, have similar beliefs to me because those are the people that I want to help. And I think about like early on in my career, I, I took tons of classes on how to teach better and that type of thing. And a mentor that I really look up to, and I still do to this day, so much respect. One of the things that he said that I've always carried with me, I have like this little like Rolodex of, of uh, quotes. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, you have to be a little polarizing to be good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're not a little bit polarizing, it shows that there's nothing that you really stand for. You can't be everything to everyone all the time. And I, and I remember I always thought about that because I had tried so hard in the years prior to that and in that moment to be everything to everyone, to try mm-hmm. to have everyone like me and to be this weird, like, yeah, I, I was likable, but I was trying to be liked by everyone. And like, that's yeah. gross. Like, that's gross. It is. And so I eventually got to the point where I was like, you know what? And I remember my first time posting something polarizing. I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> I like, bet. and those yeah. first, those first videos that I posted on TikTok that got those reactions, I, it was, I had to like call my therapist. Like oh. I was, I spiraled for like a whole weekend because I was like, I can't believe I posted this. I'm, I, sh- I would shake when I hit the post button because mm-hmm. I was so terrified at how it would be reacted to. And that I was really saying what I stood for. And like the first times that I posted things about trans people or the LGBTQIA community or black lives matter, anything like that, I shook posting those to my stories because I knew that I would lose followers. I knew that people, I knew that my brand was looking at me and some people were like, I can't believe that they're posting that. And I was just like, I believe so strongly in these things that mm-hmm. I- I'm going to post them. And, and in the same vein, like not only did I do it on social media, do it with my friends, do it with my brand. I do it with my clients. And I am obsessed with the clientele that I have at this one because I get to be myself when I go into work every day. And I spent the first 10 years of my career trying to be everything to everyone and trying to relate to all these people wherever they were at. Because yeah, of course, I have a broad background and I can have Mm -hmm. something in common with a lot of people. But like at the end of the day, do I want somebody that is racist sitting in my chair? Do I want someone who doesn't believe that trans people should have the same rights as others? Do I want someone in my chair who thinks that gay people aren't real or that gender has to be male. Do I really want those people to be around me? No, I I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. And I think that that's an important point is like, people are like, oh, well, is that the hill you want to die on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. is. It kind of is. is. And Jenna and I had a, when I was, in the earlier days of the podcast, I went through, so we're on like month four now, I think. And month two, I went through a phase of overly policing what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And 
it was getting really fucking boring. And so I, my husband, who's my part-time therapist, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm so nervous to say anything. Or I had a dream. And I remember, I think I told Jen, Mm -hmm. I was like, I had a dream that we started saying like really polarizing stuff on the podcast and it was rad. So I want to do it now. And like, but I was over policing it. And Josh was like, okay, what's the name of your podcast again? And I was like, done playing by the rules. And he's like, so are you going to change the name of the podcast to playing by the rules? Or are you going to start talking about the shit you guys wanted to talk about? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm." But I think what people need to understand is that People pleasing disorder or disease or whatever we called it earlier is an, it's kind of like alcoholism. Like you have to wake up every day and recommit to your sobriety from being a people pleaser. I don't think it yeah. ever goes away. I think there's always going to be little relapses of people pleasing. And so when you were working with your brand and working on who you wanted to be and deciding who Twyla the TikTok person was going to be, you had to establish this is who it is. And this person cares just like the real Twyla cares about Mm -hmm. Twyla with the cape and the wig is the same (laughs) Twyla that cares about Black Lives Matter and trans rights. And that's who we are on this podcast too. And there was an episode that Jenna and I were going to record and I was like, do we want to steer clear of this? And Jenna was like, I don't want listeners that think that we need to steer clear of this. And I was like, Oh, you're fucking right. Like I was going to water this episode down to not offend people, but I'm putting our core beliefs on the back burner to not offend people. Like (laughs) that didn't, that would not have felt good. Yeah. That makes me think of uh, one of the first conversations we had, Jenna, I was like, I was like, what's professionalism anyways? What does that mean? (laughs) Because I was like, I was very much like brought up in this salon culture that was like, be professional, be Mm -hmm. professional, be And I was like, fucking look at me, professional. I'm covered in (laughs) tech. I've got these things. What does professional mean? And it was like, you know, like the customer is always right. And And I was like, but the customer is not always right. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And I think that that mentality has like built this really abusive type of customer who is Karen. Like yes. Karen, Karen's have been built by this like obsessive need to be professional and always the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not a thing. Like, yes, it was. And I think there's a time and a place for like this perfect, like, okay, take, you know, like maybe don't do this. Like, you know, yeah, and I think right. that there's a place to put people in line. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think like this, like over whatever to professionalism is like, it's not a thing. Stop making it's it a not thing. a thing. And I also think the customer is always right is not shouldn't even be a saying anymore. And I was talking to my husband about that the other day. I was like, the the customer is not always right if they're being mm-hmm. abusive to someone's human rights. They're not exactly. always right. And I have my favorite injector back in Richmond has an eight month wait list. And she says, if you come in here and talk rude to my staff, I will kindly ask you to leave. I do not care 100%. that you waited eight months and you will be giving me your uh, deposit. Good day. Hundred percent. Like we, the customer is not always right. Yep. If you are demoralizing other human beings, yep. ever. Yep. Same. Yeah. yeah, I would kick somebody out in a second if they were mean to one of my team. Not that. even. Okay. A, yeah. Good. <laughs> Don't, Good. Don't come at us like that. But it's the same thing. Like, why do like we grew up thinking our parents were always right? I don't tell yeah. my kids I'm always right. I tell them all the time, like, sorry, mommy screamed today. Mommy's got, and I try to like break it down for them. I say, you know, like mom's got this going on and this going on and this going on and she hasn't been sleeping. And I'm really sorry that I screamed at you. I'm not always perfect. Just like, you're not always perfect. Like, can we be best friends again? And can we have a hug? Like moms aren't always right. Customers aren't always right. Humans aren't always right. I'm going to miss right. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm going to misspeak sometimes. And that's bosses aren't always right brings me to my other my next question. So two more people pleasing things you go to great lengths to avoid conflict and you don't admit when your feelings are hurt. And I know that hair studios are rife with conflict at times. So (laughs) what is your preferred method for dealing with conflict in the workplace or just in regular life? Are you a nip it in the bud before it grows into anything? Or are you a let something kind of grow and deal with itself? I don't think I don't think anything should ever deal with itself personally. Okay, good. This is what I want to hear. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of like let things deal with itself can be rooted in toxic positivity, which is like a whole nother podcast you should do. We just did. Oh, we, we did it, guys. We did it two it. weeks okay. ago. <laughs> um, because it's like that whole like, oh, it'll be fine. I need to get over it. Da, 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 da. Like, Ugh. I think that that is sometimes where yes. those go. So like mine, I mean, I definitely like sometimes what I do believe is that sometimes you have to look at things like, yes, there's times where my staff will come and complain about one another for instance, and I'll have to sit them down and be like, okay, cool. So like, maybe the question is, is that a you thing or a them thing? So like, you know, that so-and-so is X, Y, Z. So for you to expect ABC because you're ABC and they're X, Y, Z doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's okay for you to be upset and maybe express to them that like that pushes your boundary or something like that, or it's not something you appreciate or whatever, but like, you can't expect them to be ABC when they're in X, Y, Z. So like, there's that. I also think that there is like, I am so hot headed. I know I said that earlier. So I'm really quick to get to emotion. And like, sometimes when my staff is complaining to me about things, I have to like put this wall up because I start to internalize it and I start to spiral and then I get anxiety and I think I'm the worst boss ever and they all hate me or whatever. And I have to like get some space between me and the thing so that I can think clearly and then readdress the thing later. So, I mean, we have like this 24 hour thing where like, yeah, within reason, if it's something small enough, like in 24 hours, you need to deal with your thing, but there's not always, it's not always a 24 hour thing. Sometimes you do need to put space between you and whatever the conflict is. But I think that conflict always needs to be addressed because it will only grow. Mm-hmm. There's no way for you to get it to not grow. You're giving me the exact same advice as my marriage therapist last night. That's literally like an actual psychological method where you go into an argument and then if you need space, you say, I need a 30 minute break, but it should come to some sort of conclusion by 24 hours. So you're just using marriage therapy in the slot. (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) My team, you know, they'll tell me, oh, I snapped on so-and-so or whatever. And then they'll tell me a couple days later that the person came up to them and was like, hey, I don't appreciate that you did that. And I'm like, oh, I love that you guys are working stuff out on your own, you know, and like, and I set like when I hire people, I set them up. I'm like, here's who I am as a person and as a boss. Like, I don't always think before I speak. I don't always think about, and and it's not even that I don't think before I speak. It's that I don't think about how what I might say might affect you, mm-hmm. because I don't know how you work. I know how yeah. I work. So this yeah. is how I work. I'm blunt. I don't sugarcoat things. And da da da. So if I upset you, it is your responsibility as my employee to come and tell me that I have crossed your boundary because mm-hmm. I will not know if you don't tell me. If but you don't you tell me that, that I hurt your feelings, I won't know. I, I and to be honest, I might know. I'll mm-hmm. I, I'll probably notice that you're being cold to me, but it's right. not my responsibility to pull from you what your problem is. You have I to come that. and tell me. Yeah. And in the same way, when I have a problem with you, like you'll know. Like I tell them, I'm like, you don't ever have to worry about whether or not I'm mad at you. You will absolutely know <laughs> right. that we have a problem because I will yeah. talk to you. 
Yeah. Good. So if, if like you're that. even questioning it, the, the answer is probably that I'm not mad if you were questioning it. And if you can't move on, come and ask me. Mm-hmm. All right. So I know that we don't have a ton more time with you, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about this one last piece, which is embracing your haters and any publicity is good publicity. And is there any way to apply that to real life for those of us that aren't just famous on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would say like on social media, for sure, if you have haters and you have, um, you know, comments coming in of people like trolling you or whatever, like I I now am able to look at those comments and just be like, hey, thanks. Thanks for helping my algorithm. Thanks for boosting my, you yeah. know, whatever, pushing my video out to more people. And like I said, like you can always delete those comments. Um, whatever, get off of TikTok for a while, that type of thing, or off of Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, mm-hmm. give yourself space between them. We talk um, but about just, that a lot. Yeah. But just know that like when you have people that, that do kind of push back against you, they don't like things that you're saying or things that you're doing, like that's okay because it means that you are being your true authentic self. You cannot please everyone all the time. You can be likable, but that doesn't mean everyone will like you. And that's okay because when you when you have people that don't like you, you're going to have a lot of people that really, really like you mm-hmm. because you know you are speaking your truth and they want to be around people like you and you, you're going to want to want to be around them. And um, I think that you know, as someone, if, if you're a parent, if you're a coach, if you're an educator, whatever it is, if you stand for something and you can inspire people with those things that you stand for, that's your true audience. Those are your, those are your true people. And the people that, that don't agree with you, that's okay. They have somebody else and they have Mm -hmm. a different audience and a different, a different leader. And that's okay. That it's not you. Oh, I love that. Like, because Jen and I talk about a lot about like, find your people, but like find your audience, like Mm -hmm. find your people that are here to see your rock show and cheer for you. Don't just find your people that are going to passively go through life with you, but like find your people that are really riled up for you, like Mm -hmm. in life and on social media. That's all like, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And so you can find Twyla on We'll link it all up and down. TikTok. And if you're listening and you want to search on your phone, it's T-W-Y-L-L-A and then Jane, J-A-N-E, all one word, right? At Twyla Jane. Yep. For both of them. Um, her TikToks are going to take you a whole her, night though. So get a bowl of popcorn and like them all like Jenna did the one I night. was like watching them <laughs> and liking them. And I was like, she's going to be like, who is this girl? Like, 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 like. Little did you know she has 52 million friends. I know. I know. 52,000, first of all. Um, I call that... Stalking with confidence, and I yeah. love a confident stalk. Oh, I do that to people all the time. I'm I like, look, too. I love everything you're doing, mm-hmm. and I'm very confident about loving it. Yes. Okay, stalking yeah. with confidence is my new favorite <laughs> fall trend for 2021, <laughs> everyone. We're all stalking with confidence. I love yep. that. Like, but why like, do we have to, like, just yep. <laughs> stalking for good reasons, like not yeah. actual going to houses. Don't like, actually stalk. Just, yeah. No, just like like what they're doing in their life yeah. from Social afar media appropriate. Stalking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. So thank thank you you so much. This was great. And with that, call your therapist and take your meds.